Amen. Let me begin by just saying this. I believe that the Bible is God's Word. I really, really believe that it is God's Word. Listen to this verse of Scripture. This is 2 Timothy 3.16. I know you've heard it before. I'm going to explain it just a little bit by way of introduction. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I'm going to focus just a little bit on the first part. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture. The word all means all. The Amplified says it this way. Every Scripture is God-breathed, given by His inspiration. We need to know that the very breath of God forms the Bible. God breathed it into existence. The Bible is the inspired word of the living God. I know this. If, if, If Christians really believed what I just said, Christians would spend lots of time in the Word. You see, God spent 1,600 years writing a love letter to you and to me. He took the time through 66 books to tell us what He wanted to say. He breathed it. It's inspired by Him. The the Greek word for inspiration here from the King James, the Greek word uh, is theonoustos. Theonoustos is the Greek word. It's a compound word. The first part is from theos, which means God. The second part, the Greek word is pneuma. And you may know that word. It's normally translated spirit or uh, breath. Pneuma. Pneuma comes from the root word nu. It's P-N-E-U. If you've you've ever worked with pneumatic tools, okay, that's that that Greek word. It has to do with air. Uh, new communicates the idea of the dynamic movement of air. Okay, let, let's talk about this for a minute. The word n- new, it can mean to blow, to blow air, or specifically to blow air through an instrument to create a distinct sound. That's what the word new does. It also, there are places where the word is translated that means to breathe or to emit a fragrance. And we're talking about the word here, what we're talking about. The word, this word can also denote the projection of emotions, such as anger or courage or goodwill. When the word new becomes pneuma, as in the verse, it, it, the range is more profound in its meanings. It means life or life force, energy, uh, dynamism, and power. Numa. The word is that the Jews considered the numa during this, this time to be the powerful force of God that created the universe and all living things. Now, more than just creating it, they believe it is the force that sustains the creation. God breathed. Remember, God breathed into Adam the breath of life. He breathed into him. And when he did, the angel said, What? is man. Because the angels didn't understand why would God get down on this man's level face to face and breathe into him life. The pneuma of God. Now when pneuma is combined with theos, making the word theonustros, it it literally means this. It means God breathing or emitting his own substance into something. 
We're talking about the Word of God. We're not just talking about uh, words on a page. We're talking about God's Word. He emitted Himself into it. Like a musician would blow an instrument to produce a distinct sound, God moved on the writers and they temporarily became His instruments. He moved on them and they wrote it, but He was the great musician. And he wrote what was, he had them write what was in him. The word, as I said, it carries the idea of fragrance. The word carries the very essence of God's fragrance in it. It's God's fragrance. Uh, Listen, it, it portrays the projection of emotions, as I said. It tells us that God projected the totality of his emotion when he, when he, when he, when he breathed it. In other words, the word has God's heart in it. Man, the Word is so important. It's so valuable. The Numa didn't just create the Word and then depart from it. The Numa, it continues to sustain it as it sustains the whole universe. The Word is so important. I mean, it, the Word is as powerful today as the day it was penned by those writers. It is as alive today. The Word of God is the only book in the Library of Congress that's alive. <laughs> it lives. I mean, it's, it's, almost like, it's, it's almost like if I had a balloon and I blew the balloon up and then I tied a knot in it, it's my breath that gave the balloon its form. It's my breath that gives, that continues to give, to, to sustain the balloon's form. And if you, if you could somehow scientifically take what's inside that balloon and, 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 and study it on a microscopic level, there would be some molecules inside that balloon that were a part of me. That's what the word is. It's God speaking to us. It has the power. The word contains God. It is powerful. It will do what it says it will do. I love Isaiah 55:11. It says, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but shall accomplish that which I please and shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. God said this word is so powerful that if it, if it comes back to him, it won't be void. How does it go back to him, do you think? It goes back to him when we say it ourselves. When, and we're going to talk about that more as we go tonight. That, that's how it returns to him. The scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, the word of God which effectually works in those that believe it. I mean, the word works when we believe it's the word of God. When we believe it, it works. When we casually have relationship with it, it doesn't work as well. It works when we believe it. It works. So tonight... As we, as we look at the word, I want you to believe something with me. Psalm 107.20 says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Tonight, as I teach the word, He's sending it to you. I want you to believe for healing in your body. He's sending it to you right now. In Proverbs, the Bible says this, For they, the word of God... For they, the words, are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Tonight, I want you to find it. I want you to receive it. It is health to your flesh.
Can we do that? I believe God wants that in our bodies. I believe he wants to do that for us. Now, over the last several months, we've talked about the subject of Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Okay, we saw over the weeks that, that hearing has much to do with healing. We saw scriptures that it says, and they came to hear him and be healed by him. Hearing and healing go together. Why? Because you, you know what? You just got to get enough faith for God and to believe what he said. They came to hear Jesus and be healed by him. We've seen that forgiveness and healing are connected in scripture. We saw where, where, where the children of Israel, they looked at the snake on the pole. And when they looked at the snake, they were healed and they were forgiven. Jesus said, he said, that's a picture of me when the Son of Man is lifted up like that. When we look to Jesus on the cross and know, know that he is the Savior, we also know that he's the healer. He's the healer. He's the Savior. He's not one or the other. He is both. We saw in Psalm 103, the Bible said that he forgives all all our iniquities and heals all our diseases in the very same verse. He does both of those at the same time. We looked at the scripture where Jesus asked the question regarding healing and forgiveness. He said, which is easier? Basically saying, neither one is hard for me. They're both the same. Which is easier, the healing or the forgiveness? So we've we put those things together over the week. Now the la weeks. Now the last couple of times we've been together, we've begun to look in our position in Christ. And I'm going to put both these things together in a minute. We found out that we were created to be over. Over. God created man and he was over all the creation. In Psalm, it tells us that we are, that God made us a little lower than Elohim, which is the Trinity. He made us a little lower than Elo Elohim and that we are, we are to be over all of creation. That's how God made us. We saw last week, last time, that our, that our position is in Christ and that we are far above all according to the scripture. We looked from Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2 and we are in him seated at the right hand of the Father. When Christ was raised, we were raised. When Jesus was seated at the right hand, we were seated at the right hand and that is our position. So we know that occupying that position and occupying and, and operating in the place that we are created to operate in requires faith, right? Has to require faith. I mean, we're in this room tonight, but we're also seated at the right hand of the Father. Far above all. So that requires some kind of faith. So that's what we're going to talk about just a little bit here. It requires faith. We've got to believe something. The word faith is not a spooky word. The Greek word simply means to give absolute credence to a thing. That means I believe that more than I believe anything else. I, I sell out to that thing. All right. It requires faith. We talked about how that faith is not getting God to give me what I want. That's not what the Bible even talks about for Bible faith. Faith is, is me believing God to the extent that he gets what he wants out of my life. All right, To me and through me, God wants to get his stuff done. Faith is getting the will of God done. We saw from Hebrews chapter 11 that the purpose of faith is to change the world with the word of God. Hebrews chapter 11 is all about people who got a word from God and they changed the world they lived in. You and I have a world that we can change with the word of God. Whether that is in Africa, 
in Lubbock, Texas, where you work, where you live. The goal is to take the word and change the world I live in. Do you realize that when God created Adam and Eve, he put them in this garden of Eden and he told them to dress the garden and keep it. Now that sounds pretty religious. The word dress means to to make it grow. The word keep means to guard it. They had a twofold job, guard the garden. That meant the devil was out there and they knew it and they were to make it grow. God's intent for Adam and Eve wasn't for them to stay in a little garden. His intent for Adam and Eve was to make the garden cover the world. Do you realize that? God didn't intend for man to live in a curse. He intended for man to live in his Garden of Eden, he intended for that. That's our job by faith is to take the word of God and make the kingdom grow yes. in and around us. That, that, that righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost to expand wherever we go. That's off my subject. But that's what God wants to do. He wants us to change the world. All right? We need to be aware of something tonight. On several occasions, Jesus ran across people, or they ran across Jesus, and he said something to this effect. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has, has, uh, has healed, what's it, made you whole, healed you. The word is sozo in the Greek, but it's translated made whole, made well, saved. It's always the same, but Jesus said several times in the New Testament, your faith, your faith. He told the woman with the issue of blood, your faith made you whole. He told Bartimaeus, your faith has healed you. He told the sinful woman who washed his feet, your faith has saved you. See, Jesus Jesus said your faith did that. People came to him, drew from him the power of God because they believed him. So we're going to connect some things here. Healing comes, and we talked about this the very first time, in many ways. Healing comes very naturally. If you cut your finger, eventually it gets healed, right? I mean, you're, whatever happens, I don't know, I'm not a doctor or even a biologist, but somehow all those cells regrow and, and, you, and the cut goes away. So healing, your body is made to heal. Supernaturally. You're, you, God just put that in you. Healing comes through medical intervention. We've said many times in this, as we taught about Jehovah Rapha, that God isn't opposed to medicine. God, what he, what he doesn't want is for you to have all your faith in the doctor. He wants your faith to be in him and as he, as he works with that doctor. He's all about the doctors. He, in fact, I think they're his, his agents. All right, that's, that's what they're about. But healing comes sometimes through medical intervention. There are those people who say, no, no, we should never have any, any kind of surgical instrument. We should never have a doctor. Well, I'm always going to say, well, what happens if you get a splinter? Do you ever use tweezers? <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. Doctor just uses different tweezers, and then they, you know, and they go further in. All right? Same thing. All right? God uses that. God, sometimes people are healed through a supernatural manifestation of the gifts of healings. Man, I don't know if you've ever been to a healing meeting, but I'm t- it's something to walk into one of those meetings. I mean, it's something to be in. To, um, I've been in places where we've seen God heal people supernaturally. I, I was thinking tonight, one time I taught in our church in Dumas for many years. We taught a lot about healing. We talked about, a lot about believers laying hands on the sick. And, and this little girl that was in our town huffed some paint. And I mean, she was dying. They rushed her to the hospital. She's dying in the hospital. Well, this couple in our church, they go to the hospital 
And, and they start praying for this little girl to live. The, their daughter happened to know her. They start praying for this little girl to live. And I mean, God supernaturally healed that girl. She was supposed to be brain damaged for the rest of her life. She was never supposed to recover. That was that night. The next day she was normal. And the cool thing about it was her brother happened to be the head of the local gang in our, in our little town. I mean, he was a bad-looking kid. He had knife scars all over his body and all kinds of things. And I mean, when that guy saw that in the name of Jesus, his sister was raised, he came to church the next Sunday and gave his heart to Jesus. And Tammy and I loved going out to eat with that guy because everybody waited on us well because he still looked like a thug and he still looked bad, but he loved Jesus. Well, that was a supernatural manifestation gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we've seen that faith comes, I mean, that, that healing comes by faith when we believe what God has said. So we, we've seen that. We also saw that grace for the miraculous power of God is released through the channel of faith because the Scripture says we're saved by grace through faith. The Bible says we stand in this grace by faith. So faith draws this grace of God that the supernatural flows to us from. So tonight, we're going to look at faith for just a few minutes. We're going to look at a simple way to live and walk by faith. Would that be all right? Without a bunch of confusion here. All right, so faith, it, uh, being above all is a position of faith. Healing comes by faith. We walk by faith. The scripture says we live by faith. In fact, the Bible says that faith is the ingredient, the one ingredient that pleases God. It needs to be in everything that we do. I mean, it's not a matter. The position we hold in Christ being above all is not a matter of what will come someday, but is a matter of what has already been done. Right? The scripture says we have been raised and we are now seated at the Father's right hand. It takes faith to believe that you are seated at the Father's right hand as well as seated in this room. It takes faith to believe that. Now, if you begin to study quantum physics, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a doctor of the quantum physics realm, but you can understand when they split an atom, it can be in two places at once. Hey, the Creator created you to be in two places at once. You're in this room, but you're at the Father's right hand. It takes faith to believe that. All right, It's happening right now. This very minute, we're seated there. The Scripture says this in 1 Peter 2.24, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Past tense, were. If you were healed, you are healed. If you were healed, you're healed now. And I'll tell you what, it takes faith to believe you're healed now. It takes faith to believe you're at the Father's right hand now. That takes faith. The Bible says this, For whosoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You want to win over the devil? You want to fight the fight? It's the fight is a fight of faith. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith because we win if we stand and operate in faith. All right? We can't allow our hearts to be troubled by circumstances, but we must become, be people of courage who walk by faith. The question is, how do we do that? Okay, let's talk about it. Jesus, the scripture calls him the author and perfecter of faith. 
In fact, Romans, Hebrews chapter 11 is about all these people of faith. And then you get to chapter 12, and it says, now, we got this great cloud of witnesses. But then it says, but look at Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. Literally, it means he's the captain and perfecter of faith. All right? Jesus. Jesus is the captain and perfecter of faith. So, all right, we, we, we know that. We know that the apostle Paul is called the apostle of faith. He talked about faith. He talked, wrote more about faith than anybody else in the world so far as the Holy Spirit breathed through him. All right. But then I want us to read this. I want us to think about this. This is getting very practical. The scripture says in Romans 4.16, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. It's, it comes by faith. The grace of God comes to us by faith. That way everybody can have it. That's what that's saying. Everybody. Everybody can have it because it comes by faith. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that which, is also, which also is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now it's talking about, it's not, it's not just to those who are the law, but those who are the children of Abraham. The Bible says in Galatians 3.9, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Verse 29, If ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Then in Romans 4, verse 12, it says, talking about Abraham, and the father of circumcision to them who are not the circumcision only, but who walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had yet being uncircumcised. So Abraham is the father of faith, according to what we can find in the scripture. He is the scripture's prime example of how to walk and live by faith. So we're going to look at him for just a moment. If we can do what Abraham did, then we can have results like Abraham had. All right? So we're going to look about it, okay? It's going to be pretty practical here for, as we go forward here. The Bible tells us four times they were to live by faith. Four times. It tells us we're to walk by faith, we're to fight the fight of faith. It tells us faith pleases God, it's the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is not a side subject in the scripture. I mean, you can't get saved without faith. You can't get victory over the devil without faith. So Abraham did two big things that allowed him to walk by faith. And we'll look at this. Now here's the great thing about Abraham and Sarah. They didn't always do it right. <laughs> Praise God that we don't have to be perfect. Amen. God told Abraham, he said, you know what? This time next year you're going to have a son. And Abraham laughed. Not because it was funny, but because it was preposterous. Abraham, God told Sarah, and the Bible says Sarah laughed. And Sarah, and God said, why would you laugh? She said, I didn't laugh. What she meant to say is, I didn't laugh out loud. <laughs> I mean, it was preposterous. They didn't have faith to begin with. All right? But two things happened that changed everything for them. Here we go. Romans 4, 17. The next verse after he's called our father. It says, as it is written... I've made thee, God's talking to him, I've made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. This is powerful what I just read to you. Christians mostly call things as they are. I'm sick. I'm tired. I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. We call it the way we see Well, I just call things the way I see it. Well, is that what God does? 
Is that what Abraham did? Well, I'm just stupid. Christians have a habit of calling things the way they see them. Yet God calls things not as they are. He calls things that are not as though they were. God called for what he wanted. He looked out and he said, light be. I am so thankful he didn't say, wow, it's dark. Because if he had said that, it'd still be dark. He said, light be. God called for what he wanted. He didn't rehearse what he was seeing. He called for what he wanted. I want you to note something. Faith is not calling things that are as though they're not. Faith is not denying what is. Faith is calling for what isn't. See, I remember back in the 70s when I got spirit-filled, we'd go to a meeting and it'd snow outside and people didn't want to drive in the snow and they'd be going, in Jesus' name, there is no snow. <laughs> well, there was snow. It was still there. That's not faith. That's stupidity. <laughs> faith is this. There's snow, but I will make it home. Yeah. I will arrive at my destination. See, it's not faith to say, well, I'm not weak. I'm not weak. Well, that's not faith. Here's faith. I am strong. The Bible says, let the weak say I am strong. Why? Because it's calling for what is not. It's calling for what you want. Faith isn't denying where you are. I mean, if you're on the first floor, to stand there on the elevator and say, I'm not on the first floor. I'm not on the first floor. I'm not on the first floor. That's ridiculous. Faith is calling for what you want by pushing the button to the fifth floor. I'm going to the fifth floor. I choose to go to the fifth floor. See, man, we need to understand. We have in us the capacity to call things that are not as though they are. But, I mean, many Christians are just pushing the floor number they're on. Uh, you know, I got sickness. I got poverty. I, and they keep pushing that button. I can't get out of this. I don't know how. I'm too stupid. I, I, nobody taught me. I didn't graduate. I didn't. Why do you keep pushing that button? <clears throat> Wouldn't you like to go someplace else? Wouldn't you like to call for a different level in life? Abraham understood this. He understood we don't just call that. I found that most Christians are, are, are thermometers rather than thermostats. Most Christians will tell you what the temperature is. We need to be thermostats. I'm going to tell you, in this house right now, if you set the thermostat, if you set it on 60, everything would go to work to make this room 60 degrees. Our confession is just like that in the spirit realm. When we make the demand in the spirit realm of what we want, all of heaven goes to work to produce what we say. Christians don't understand that. They do understand it. Some of them do. We need to call for what we want. The Bible says we reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Romans 4.17. How does the king reign? By decree. 
He declares it. And the kingdom goes to work to make it happen. The Bible says we are king. We are he, Jesus is the king of kings. We are those kings that he's the king over. He made us to reign in life. So people, well, I just don't believe in, the, in, in that calling for stuff. But then they'll go stand on the back, back porch and they'll say, Spot, come here, Spot, come, Spot, Spot. Well, Spot isn't there. Why are they calling for him? They're calling for what they want. They're calling for what they expect. I love this passage we just read. It says that Abraham, that it talks about God. It says he believed God that who quickeneth the dead. Do you realize that Abraham, he didn't, he needed healing, but more than he needed healing, he needed resurrection. I mean, the parts of his body, the parts of Sarah's body that were going to produce a kid, they weren't sick, they were dead. <laughs> and they needed, they needed resurrection from the dead. They needed the power of God to come. Listen to these verses. This is in Genesis chapter 17. My goodness. Okay, I'm trying to get through this here. When Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am almighty God. I like almighty God. I like that. I mean, he is El Shaddai. He is the powerful one. He is the mighty one. He said, I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. Thou shalt be the father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, a father of many nations have I made thee. From this moment forward, he never called himself Abram again. He only called himself Abraham. Abram means exalted or high father. Abraham means father of a multitude. And from that moment forward, everybody he met, he met, he would say, I'm a father of a multitude. Sarah would say, Father of a multitude, do you like some coffee? Father of a multitude. Father He only said what God said. He named he only called the name that God gave him. Verse 15 says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt call her name not Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. Now her name means queen mother. She was a princess before, not a mother. Now she's the queen mother. Can you just see this old couple? She's 90 years old. He's 99 years old. And they're calling each other. Father of a multitude. Queen mother. All the time. They're calling each other exactly what God says. Listen, if we're going to do... If we're going to walk by faith, we need to talk right. We need to begin to name the things the way God names them. What did God name them? It's not my cancer. It's not my backache. What does God call them? What does he say about them? I mean, it's, it's, it's not that Abraham called himself and he called Sarah exactly what the Lord called them. I mean, they, that's what they did. They only said that. It had to seem like he was lying at first. But could God lie? The Bible says, is he a man that he can lie? He can't even lie. What God says is true. Death and life are in the power of our tongue. We've got to know that. I love this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 1.20. It says, For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Let me read it from the Amplified. For as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they are all answered Yes, so through him we say our amen to the glory of God. God's answer is yes. My answer is amen. 
the word amen, if you ever were raised in the Baptist church, you know that the word amen means so be it. But it even means more than that. It means so be it to me. The promise is yes. I'm the one who establishes it by agreeing with God and saying amen. So be it to me. I'm going to name it what he named it. So Abraham, he named it. He only called it what God called it. Secondly, Abraham had to set his focus not on the circumstances, but on what God said. Now, I read this. The Bible says this, and I'll try to hurry here. Who against hope, Romans 8, 4, verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken. Who was it spoken by? God. God spoke it to him. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Here's what I want you to hear. He wasn't weak in faith. How was he not weak in faith? He considered not his own body. The second step here is, if we're going to walk by faith, first of all, we call it what God calls it. The second thing is our focus is not on us, but on what God said. Abraham, it says he was strong. He considered not his own body. He didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. He totally had to ignore the symptoms totally ignore the circumstances and focus on what God said. The Bible says he considered not his body. The word consider has to do with how you think, what you meditate on, what you think about. He didn't consider his own body, didn't talk about it. And it's interesting to me that God tells him all this stuff. He's going to have a son, going to have a son, going to have a son. And then he says, and here's what else I need you to do. I need you to get circumcised. I'm thinking, wait, that doesn't work out right. He didn't even consider anything else but doing what God said to him. And he believed him. He just, he just considered what God said. He didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. I mean, they just kept calling each other what the Lord said. They just kept calling each other. He didn't stagger. The word stagger means to hesitate. It, it also means to waver. He didn't waver. He stayed in faith. He Strong in faith comes from not considering the flesh. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let me just tell you something. You can either look at what is seen, or you can look at what is unseen. You can't look at both. You've got to choose which one you want. See, I know this. You will never see the Lord looking at your problems. You will never see His provision looking at your lack. You will never see your healing looking at how you feel. You'll never walk on water looking at the wind and the waves. We have to consider what He said. Abraham was fully persuaded, absolutely convinced absolutely certain. I'm telling you, this is where the fight is. This is how you walk by faith. You call it what God calls it, and you consider what God said. You keep your focus on what He said. We've got to stay in that place. Here's two important things. 
I'm going to try to wrap it up here. Two very important things. You've got to stay in the Word. I'm not talking about reading the Word once a week or going to church and seeing the half a verse or the whole verse or whatever's on the screen. I'm talking about you being in the Word. I'm t- faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. You need to talk to yourself. You need to speak the Word to you. Speak it to yourself daily. I mean, more than one time a day. Take the Word. Listen to sermons that are filled with the Word. I'm telling you, this CD, it's powerful if it's just full of the Word. Because it's the Word. You've got to. Faith comes by hearing the Word. Meditating it. Number two, pray in the Spirit. The most perfect confession you will ever make is praying the mystery by praying in tongues. You're praying the mystery that eye has not seen, nor ear has ever heard, but it's revealed to us by God. Praying in the Spirit. Jude tells us that we build up our most holy faith. That's a perfect confession. I love it. Revelation 12:11 says, And they overcame him by three things. The blood of the Lamb. That's already done. It's already shed. There's, there, is, there is no undoing that one. But then... They added to it the word of their testimony. What was the word of their testimony? They testified about what the blood did. Remember, there are two immutable things. The promise and the oath. The promise is the word. The oath is ratified in the blood. We need to be prophesying and declaring what the blood did on our behalf. They overcame him by the blood. By They spoke what the blood did. And they love not their lives unto the death. That's focused on what God said. That's focused on the promise. I mean, I know this. The devil can't cross the bloodline. The devil is weak and powerless against the word of God. Listen, we need to be these people. We need to be people like Abraham and Sarah. We need to say what God said and consider not the circumstances that defy God's word. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that your word is absolutely true 100% of 100% of the time. I thank you, Father, that if we grab hold of the reality that you are true and everything that disagrees with you is a lie, and we stand on it, we call it what you call it, and we consider what you consider. Father, tonight we know that we walk in healing, we walk in health, we walk in the victory in our lives because we focus on what you've said. And we thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.